welcome to the Three Broom Chicks. I'm Jenny. I'm Marianne. And I'm Elizabeth. And today we're going to be talking about magical beasts. And I'm so excited. I'm going to give you two disclaimers this episode. The first is obviously I'm a zookeeper, so you're going to get a lot of questioning happening. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff that you're going to learn. But also, I forgot my second one. Oh, yeah. We're going to do Greek <laughs> mythology. <laughs> so a lot of these things So we've talked about in our uh, last couple of episodes, how JK or she who must not be named freely borrows from myths that have previously been discussed since like the beginning of time. And so this was not an exception, but um, all of the animals, beasts, whatever you want to call them that we're going to be talking about today have some sort of root in Greek mythology. And um, if you know me, then you know that I freaking love mythology. So oh, yeah. each year that we're going to go through, we're going to talk about what they are in Harry Potter. And then we're going to talk about where the influence came from. And it's lit. I I love <laughs> Greek mythology. It was yes. always one of my favorite subjects. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. I'm and so it was excited. these creatures, too, that like always really? was like my favorite. Not the gods. I could care less about the gods. Oh. Oh, okay. I like the gods, too. I like the gods, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. I don't know. They just sounded like a bunch of squabbling, like, grown children <laughs> all the time. I mean, yes. You're right. <laughs> But yeah, so anyway, so we're going to be talking about that. It's going to be super cool. Um, just so that you know, there is like an insane list of beasts that like the Harry Potter wiki lists out alphabetically, if you care to go look at it. Uh, so but since many. there were so mm-hmm. many, I mean, like legitimately, we would have done like 20 episodes. But what's great is we have other episodes planned for the future, in which those beasts are like loosely tied into the stories. So we decided to talk about four very specific beasts today. And then you'll hear about the other ones at a later time. So exciting. So stay yeah. tuned. It is so exciting. But just so that you guys know, we will be talking about people, centaurs. I was wrong. There's five, not four. <laughs> people, centaurs, hippogriffs, unicorns, and sphinxes. I know. So that's very exciting. I'm so excited. And you know who else is excited? Oh, I think it's. <gasps> Hydrangea. She is. I'm so excited that I went out to the supermarket this week and I saw hydrangeas in the store and I was like so pumped about this episode that I bought them. Amazing. Physical hydrangeas in my house. Yay. But you don't have the owl hydrangea, so... That's so Ooh, rude. I was going to whole like smear campaign about you keeping hydrangea from me. And I was going to be like, I replaced her with other hydrangeas, but I didn't. <laughs> and now I feel like I wish I would have. Always, al- always go dirty. Oh, is that a new hashtag? <laughs> I don't know. Nope. Welcome to uh, Nope. You sort of start Patreon. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Hydrangea. <laughs> Yes. What are our outposts today? Our first outpost is from <laughs> Sanchez underscore M94. One of my favoriteest people in the whole world. Woo-woo. And he asks, what beast do you guys relate to the most? This is interesting because um, I saw that he submitted this question and then I didn't think about it at all until right this moment. <laughs> So, uh, I'm going to have you guys answer first. 
what? <laughs> and then I'm going to think about it. I don't know. What's like, what's like Hold loud? on. There's like way too many bees. So I'm going to like grab my Fantastic Bees book and be like. Oh, my God. Elizabeth is that girl. She's yes, like, oh, man. This is such a Hermione. She's like, I'm going to go to the library for like just a minute. I'll be right back. We're literally going to be here forever. I mean, I am not. I can't start either. I'm too indecisive about this question. I could probably list three like beasts off the top of my head that I would want to be or relate to. I would want to be a Niffler because then I would have shiny things, but I am not that way in real life. Yeah. I feel like what's like a beast that's loud. Maybe like a dragon, you know, like sometimes I get angry. Yeah. Most of the time I'm very loud and I'm a large personality and like dragons are large, but they're also like fierce and I'm like kind of sassy. So actually, we got there pretty quick. I think I'm a dragon. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. Now, right. what kind of dragon? I don't know. Okay. I have scoured my library book, A Fantastic Beast, and I know which one I relate to. What are you? I'm a bow truckle. Aw, I like it. Yes. We're, I'm peaceable, but I also can be shy. But if you try to like mess with my home or the people in my household, I will cut you. I've never, <laughs> ever seen something less Elizabeth in my life. What? You're not shy. You will cut somebody if they threaten your home or your family. But I feel like the beginning of that was not Elizabeth. Like you are strong and outgoing. Um, I don't think I'm that outgoing and I'm very peaceable. You are literally like the hostess with the mostest. Everything is at your house. Like you have gatherings all the time. Okay. But that's because it's in my home where I feel the most comfortable where I'm out somewhere else. I'm like, Mm. okay, that's great. I'm kind of want to leave as soon as possible. Bye. (laughs) Okay. I'll accept it. I like it. I like the idea of a bow chuckle, Elizabeth. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. I'm sure maybe there's though. hmm, I don't know. Uh, For me, I guess the one that keeps coming to my mind because this is my favorite is the Thunderbird. Really? Because I I think I know yours better than you do. Because you've already said it. Jenny apparently knows us all. (laughs) First of all, I'm the animal expert here. Second, it's because she already said it last episode and she's just not realizing it. You're definitely siren, bro. Okay. So the reason... The reason why I didn't say I was a merm p- person, mermaid, because there's three different types of mermaids, as we're going to get into. And I don't know if I see myself as any one of them. They're all kind of extreme. Like, I, lo- I would. Siren. They're different from the mer people. Yeah, could but. Be a bird lady. Mm-hmm. The bird lady, I don't think is even Harry Potter canon. That's just like Greek mythology canon. But I don't see myself as a mermaid, unfortunately, because I love mermaids. Like, love them. But I don't see myself as one. It's hard. I don't know. Like, it. I wish I was more prepared for this question. But the reason why I say Thunderbird is because Thunderbirds, like, they always have, like, a sense of, like, danger. But they always, like, are throwing themselves into adventure. Um, and I kind of see myself that way. They also, I don't know. They, they, I like them in the first Fantastic Beast movie where they were pretty helpful. Maybe sometimes <laughs> misunderstood. Pretty they helpful. like to be in the wilds of Arizona. I don't know. All right. I, I, would, like lo- I would like one. to relate to that. I will say... That Thunderbirds are technically not in the original Fantastic Beast publication. Mm-hmm. 
They were added later. Well, yeah. Duh. <laughs> well, no, because Nifflers were originally here. Yeah, but there were a lot of creatures added later. Because well, yeah. you know, when yeah. Universal Studios was like, hey, we should do a spinoff of Harry Potter. She who must not be named was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. So <laughs> there's definitely going to be more than just what's in the <laughs> book. But I still like Thunderbirds. I love them. Absolutely love them. Um, and I think we have another question that's coming up that I'm probably going to use the same answer, but that's fine. All right. So our next question is from It's Christy Time. And she asks, if you could have any beast as your pet, which would it be and why? This is going to be super awkward because it would be a bow truckle. <laughs> <laughs> so there's for, that. For Jenny, it would be a bow truckle. <laughs> yes, it would be. They're just oh. so cute. They are really cute. just want to pick them up and pinch them. I honestly want a phoenix. Mm, that's a mm. good one. I really want a that phoenix. A I want to like a ride or die, you know, literally until the end. We're here together. You're here. You're my partner. It's almost like an animal. No, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. Well, now you have to say it because you've shrouded it in mystery. <laughs> <laughs> like an animal that I would be married to. Oh, and I'm okay. like, that's weird. <laughs> you don't want to be into bestiality. I get it. Exactly. <laughs> uh for me oh my god okay so i was gonna say hippogriffs because i would i would love to have a have a hippogriff so i'm gonna cheat and say two things hippogriff and a zoo because <laughs> i love the zoos but that would be like honestly probably a mess to like take care of because they're so big yeah. But, like, they're, like, cuddly if you, like, you know, give them a little time of day. But I th I would much You're rather insane. prefer. I think they're gigantic. They're so, like, I wouldn't know where to put the Zuwu. I wouldn't know where to put the Zuwu, but it's fine. If, okay. Maybe if I had a, maybe if I had a magical suitcase, I would. But Hippogriff, I'd go with a Hippogriff. Yeah. Mm. Okay. That was cool. Yeah. All right. Our last outpost is from Steven. And Steven. Hi, Steven. Steven asked, if you were in the Harry Potter world, would you be a magizoologist? I think this is for Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> if yes, what magical creature would you want to work with, Jenny? So obviously I'm going to take this one. Yes. Uh, yes, I would be. <laughs> um, if I were, it would be a rumpant because they are like the rhinos of the magical world. And I love rhinos very much. And I have worked with them before and I miss them dearly. So that's my answer. Cool. I, I love know. it. Thank you. I wouldn't be a magi zoologist at all, but besides all the ones that I've mentioned, I would also want to work with Demi guys if I was. That was like, a magi like literally, that is the last animal that any zookeeper would ever pick to have to. Work I with. love them. Or uh, you uh, the them. The Akamis? I It doesn't matter. Is I think they're so pretty. Is it safe? Is it okay? Is it sick? Is it losing hair? Like, how are you going to know? You can't see it. But they're so nice. I also love the Akamis. But again, like I said, that's probably why I wouldn't be a magi zoologist because I probably wouldn't be a good one. I would just love them from afar. And that's it. What do you think we do? I guess we love them from up close. You love them from up close. And you, <laughs> you love them unconditionally. 
I guess I would love them unconditionally too, but like you would be like, all right, if you need to get your medicine and you need to do the right thing, we're going to make you do the thing. I would just be like, it's fine. Live your life in the wilds of Arizona. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good. That's a conversation that we'll have at another time because you just said a lot of problematic stuff. <laughs> and go. that's exactly. And that's why I'm not a Magi zoologist. It's let fine. It go. Oh, okay. Wow. Let it go. Let it go. All right. And now it is time <laughs> for my favorite for part our of Patreon plug. Yay! Go follow us on Yes, please, please. If you have any extra money, and if you think we're funny, or support our podcast. Yes, no, just... but really, because my paychecks are smaller now, so any help would really super be appreciated. Just yeah. steal the Patreon funds for me. Like we're not even going to use it for the podcast. <laughs> yes, if you want my Venmo, just. At me on Twitter, <laughs> you can have it. Venmo and but, bio. <laughs> like we've mentioned in the past two episodes, this is the third episode already of the installment that was inspired by one of our patrons. Because Creatures when you pay us of the Lost Story Arc. Creatures of the Lost Story Arc. You're welcome. Because when you pay us a lot of money, then you get to help decide our content. We yeah. deliver, man. We deliver. <laughs> like sometimes. Pizza. We may deliver late. So if we were like, <laughs> Papa John's or Domino's? Wouldn't we, we have to give it, it in thirty minutes? No, uh, we are not a Papa John's or a Domino's. We're a family-owned Italian restaurant that serves you quality. You We're... can't rush perfection, boo. I I like that. I really do like that. We are not, you know, if a you large own company. A family-owned pizzeria. A mom and, and pop. Team up with us. A mom and pop. Me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, but that was our Patreon plug. I loved it. Uh, we're going to be jumping into the episode, but I just kind of want to give you like a little rundown of what's been going on because this is a series. So mer people and centaurs are going to come first <gasps> because technically they wanted, like the ministry wanted to classify them as beings, but they refused because vampires and hags were classified as beings and Marianne strongly believes <laughs> in a mer person centaur love affair, and that's why she thinks that they both denied their um status. I guess you could say together. But I did find out in doing my research for this episode that the centaurs made that decision first, and then only a year later did the mer people follow in their hoof prints. So just so <laughs> you know, that happened. Um, but still, they're still like, in love. I don't care if you're like, new to the podcast or if you're new to like these episodes, then I'm just going to tell you to do two things. Just one, understand that Marianne literally ships everything on the planet and two, go back to our episode list and listen to the magical beings episode and then come back and listen to this because you won't regret. <laughs> oh, there is some hot fire that is about to be like unleashed, spilled. unleashed tea will be spilt. I'm very, very excited. Marianne, take it away. All right. So I'm so excited, as we've already discussed, to talk about mermaids first. Mer people. Mer people, of course. Mer people. Um, but the mer people, as mentioned in the books, have grayish skin and long, wild, dark green hair. Their eyes were yellow, as were their broken teeth, and they wore thick ropes of pebbles around their necks. So that's specifically what is said in the books in reference uh, actually to the Selkies, since mainly those are the only types of mermaids that Harry encountered 
encounters, but there's actually all different kinds of mer people. So we obviously encounter selkies from Scotland. Um, there's a they're the specific colony of mer people that live in the Black Lake. Uh, we've also got the sirens of Greece, like the one that appeared in the mural of the prefix bathroom, um, which we'll get to more later. And then we've got marrows of Ireland, which are actually very similar to selkies. Uh, because probably Ireland and Scotland proximity, you know. Uh, but the one thing that they have in common is their love of music, which we'll get to a, a little bit later. Uh, like we said before, they denied the status of being in favor of beast because vampires and hags were considered beings, um, citing them as being dark creatures. Cue our conspiracy theory. So let's get <laughs> into history, right? All right, so Amur people originated in Greece. This is as said, um, and then apparently started moving to other places, right? So when living in warmer waters, they take on a more pleasing appearance um, than those who live in colder, colder waters. And we see that specifically like with the sirens from Greece um, in comparison to like the Maros and the Selkies. Um, they've created their own language, which is called Mermish. We love that. Um, and they can only be understood underwater. So as you might remember in book four, movie four, um, that's kind of the... Ah! Yeah. For a second, outside of the water. For a second, I thought you were fangirling. And I was like, ah, I know, right? And then I was like, no, that's your impression of mermish out of water. That was good. Uh, but yes, just like as Liz just demonstrated for us, uh, it's literally like incomprehensible is that the word outside of the water so uh yeah, that is their wow. language thank that was you. an sat word good job thank you so much uh <laughs> they seem to have an elaborate culture with rock dwellings creation creation of music and then the, the domestication of beasts so we specifically see that with like the grindelos uh the hippocampuses and the lola bugs uh they make jewelry okay hold on <laughs> i know i hippocampuses isn't the hippocampus a part of your brain? Yes. It is, but it's also a beast. A beast. <laughs> Open up my library book. <laughs> Go ahead. Do it. Um, but while she's doing that, basically mermaids also really, they're kind of similar, I guess, in goblins that they really do enjoy making jewelry, art, and weapons. So they have like their own treasures of sorts. Um, they also seem to understand communication via gestures. So... Like, hearing you say all this stuff, like, doesn't it kind of remind you of, like, early people, like, hominids, like, Neanderthals and stuff? Like, a little bit, but, like, like of the water. Drawings and, like, they had, like, rock houses and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. Just kind of, like, reminds me of, like, a past us. <laughs> and before we move too quickly away, I have found hippocampuses. And yeah, they? If you study biology, the hippocampus is a part of your brain. Mm -hmm. But a hippocampus in... The wizarding world is a, a creature who's Greek and has mm -hmm. the head and four quarters of a horse. It's like the opposite of a centaur and the tail and hind quarters of a giant fish. So it's like, oh, a yeah, horse. Yeah. Yeah. But like literally a, a big horse. horse. <laughs> yeah. Questions. Does, does it have gills? Maybe. How does it swim? With its With, hot, like it's got like the two, re like the front um, legs. It, yeah, it has front legs and then a okay, back fin. Sense. I mean, I'm like, I have the brain power to put it together. I'm just saying. 
doesn't make any sense. I mean, no, it like, doesn't. The tail is one mechanism and the legs are another mechanism. Does it just use one at a time? Like, are both going <laughs> at the same time? What does it eat? Does it have a fish diet or a horse diet? The intestines are crazy. Like, is it a hindgut fermenter? Probably not. Does it have fish intestines in there? I don't know. Asking so many questions we don't have. <laughs> this is what you. This is what y'all are here for. You're gonna See? learn some animal stuff today. Like, like how my does it mate? Like my does it, does only question stuff? was literally, why is it called a part of a brain? <laughs> That was my only question. Okay, first of all, I'm also pretty mad that there's no hippo parts. Like, what yeah. happened there? Although hippo is, like, river horse. So, okay, like, maybe. But, like, I just have a lot of questions. Like, do the girls and the boys, like, do they just spray, like, the eggs and the sperm? And There is a make- mention of eggs. They yeah. lay large, semi-transparent eggs. Okay, so uh, that's like cool. a fish. Are they like seahorse? Well, not like all fish, because some fish do what I just described. I think that's called spawning, if I'm not mistaken. If you've ever watched, you know, like a David Attenborough feature, you could probably catch it. Sometimes in deep Wow, the blank like, stares right now I'm for sorry. me and Marianne you really are didn't just know like. This? <sighs> they don't do like they do not come together to produce their young. They literally yeah, throw they... stuff into the water and it'll land on like a palm tree leaf or something. Yeah. And then it like the eggs will grow on it. It'll sink to the bottom. All the fishies come out. I'm just, I just have a lot of questions. <laughs> okay. What happens to their hoofs underwater? Like they're soaked like in water all the time. Like they must be rotted. Hoof rot is real. That's a real condition. I just have a lot of questions. <laughs> I mean, they're probably evolved to live like live better conditions underwater i don't know i don't i just know that she who must not be named must have really just never met an animal before because and neither have the greek people because man some of these like like greek myths i'm like i have a lot of questions there were a lot of sea monsters at one point for them they were just like sea monsters you know they live in the ocean they've never seen one but they're like they're there they're there (laughs) Okay, all right. All right. Mer people. Back Moving on. Sorry, um, so I can't remember if we mentioned her before, but Elfrida Cha- Elfrida Clagg. Um, we mentioned her a couple of episodes back. She who she was the one who uh succeeded Burdock Muldoon. Um, she refused to accept Mer people as beings because they did not speak the human tongue, and their language could only be understood underwater. Obviously, we talked about how like, messed up that is. Like, a little bit, yeah. Um, this you speak Spanish, so we're just not going to acknowledge you're a person. Next, like what? Yeah, exactly. So obviously, this angered the Mer people, and of course, you know their lovers, the centaurs. <laughs> um, I'm just, it's fine. Uh, surprisingly, they were invited to the 1692 summit of the International Confederation of Wizards to discuss what should be done about "quote unquote" hiding the existence of various magical creatures from Mongol comprehension. Um, lastly, something really exciting to say, uh, a story we found in the 1800s, there was a witch named named Mirabella Plunkett. Sorry if I butchered that. Uh, she went on holiday to Loch Lomond, as we know, like where the Loch Ness Monster lives and fell in love with a merman. (laughs) But sadly, her parents forbade it and she was so upset. She transfigured herself into a fish. A haddock to be exact. And she was never seen again. Wow. It was really sad. And Juliet's story. 
I feel like there's so many Romeo and Juliet stories and murder people being stupid. Fun fact, I hate Romeo and Juliet. Fun fact. Doesn't everybody? No, there's a lot of people that would die hard on that ship that it's a beautiful love story. And I'm like, no, it's two kids being stupid. (laughs) You know what would have been super cute if they lived? So anyways, (laughs) if you know what's super funny is if you Google like Mirabella Plunkett or whatever her name is, there's like a drawing of her on like the Harry Potter wiki or whatever. And it's like this girl. She's pretty. She's got these huge like sad eyes and she's holding like a fish. Like, I guess I don't know her destiny. And it's just the picture is appealing to me. I like it. It makes me laugh. Yes, but so it seems that, like, I don't think this is the only story, you know, my shipness, we already know that, but I don't think this is the only story that, uh, like, the relationships between wizard kind and people showing, like, how tense they are. I don't think it's a surprise to see that. Um, they were obviously not represented in the Fountain of Magical Brethren at the Ministry of Magic, but centaurs are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did agree to help in the second task of the Triwizard Tournament, so that's you know, a good sign. Um, and they did seem to get along with Dumbledore, even honoring him at his funeral. Um, Couldn't Dumbledore speak, Mermish? Yeah. Yeah. You know? He was a, I'm not going to say he was a, I was about to say he's a good guy. And I was like, wait, I'm not going to say he's a good guy. I'm going to say he did good things. <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> Let me correct myself before I even say it. Sometimes he does these things where I'm like, wow, you're such a great human being. And then other times I'm just like, no, you suck as a human being. He's you a complex. Dumbledore? You know how, like, some people see things in their mind, like, when you're speaking? You say Dumbledore, and I just see, like, a huge trash pile, and it's on fire. <laughs> but you see that with so many people. <laughs> a lot of people are trash. Yeah. So <laughs> people, like... people have been hating on me since the beginning. Jenny, you don't like anybody. You don't like other people. But look at all these trash people. <laughs> <laughs> I never really liked She Who Must Not Be Named. I had some respect for her, but boy, is that gone. That's <laughs> saying. Trash people everywhere. Uh, yeah, but either way, like, it, despite Dumbledore and his complexities and stuff like that, wizard kind and mer people just never really had the smoothest relationships. Um, and we obviously like- could see and- that with everything. In that sentence, I feel like you honestly just could have made people like, interchangeable with, like, literally anything else. Like, I feel like wizard kind is just, like, we don't like any of you. Basically. And then they're like, we're wizards! <laughs> wow, we haven't had a we're wizards reference in such a long time! We're wizards! We're wizards! We yeah. haven't, honestly. Now I want to watch Puffs. <laughs> I'm going to say what I say every time. I go to bed tonight and I'm gonna watch Puffs and I'm not gonna. <laughs> oh no. Too late and I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're moving on from this since we already have a lot of feelings. But um just to slightly go back before we do get into some Greek mythology, um, a little bit of backstory with our Selkies and our Marrows, since they do have a lot in common. Um, Selkies derive from the term seal folk, um, and they literally lived in the sea as seals. <laughs> Though when they came on land, they'd shed their skin. They'd essentially Ew. do this. I know, right? They essentially do this in order to hang out on land in, in order to dance and sing. Oh my god, and meet with their centaur lovers! And meet with their centaur lovers! Oh, 
We'll get there. We'll get there. Hold but, on. <laughs> but we'll get there. Anyways, uh, so marrows. Now, these are the ones that are uh, mainly in Ireland. Uh, marrows are described as having green or white skin and sea-colored hair. Uh, they have webbed fingers. And in some legends, it is said that they carry either a red feathered ca cap, a red cape, or a belt that enables them to travel from deep water to dry land. Um, so I guess it's something in the, along the lines of like something to help propel them out of the water, uh, which I thought was kind of really cool. Uh, male marrows. So it's kind of nice to see, you know, different genders of mer people. Uh, apparently they are horribly ugly with a red bulby nose, green skin, and a displeasing complexion. Uh, so this is often why marrows sometimes pur purposefully go to the surface to mate with human men. A common trait also for the Selkies, even though it was a little darker, because uh, the sometimes the human men would trick the Selkies into marrying them. What? But, yes. So it's actually kind of dark. What they would do is they would, like, capture a Selkie that had, like, made it onto the land and then, like, take its skin and wear it to try to trick the Selkie into mating with them. I know. It's a, it's a it's kind of dark and kind of spooky and gross. But... Ew. I know I wasn't going to mention it, but now that you guys asked, <laughs> I don't really think I asked. I think I just had a shocked face and you're like, oh, I'm going to jump on this juicy well, information. Well, you reacted. Um, <laughs> but I think what we do see as a common trait is that um, I guess it's more prominent that one, there's more female population of mer people um that there's that same commonality of music involved as well as not even wanting to like uh what's it called mates with other mer people they're mating with other species so therefore why wouldn't a mer person mate with another species say as centaurs oh we're about to get in it. We're about to get in it. Jenny, come on. Bring us home. Bring us home. It's going to take us a while to get there. So we're going to talk about <laughs> the sirens of ancient Greece. And then Woo! this is like the Greek mythology portion of the evening for the Mers. So we're sent to um, the sirens. We're said to look like half maidens, half birds. So when people say siren, it's now become like synonymous with a mermaid looking creature. But we're going to get there. Uh, but they were like half lady, half bird. Like they had a lady's head and then like a bird's everything else. So that's, that's cool, so I guess. Uh, they were said to be the daughters of the river god Echolus and one of the muses. There's So like with the Greek myths, just get this in your head tonight. There's like 14 different stories for like the one thing that happened. And they're mm -hmm. all like wildly different. Mm -hmm. So I either just picked the one that like kept coming up or honestly the one that was like the easiest to explain. <laughs> and this was just the easiest to explain. Um, but from what I could see, like sirens, like they were not a very populous group of uh, beasts, I guess, or whatever you want to call them. It just seemed like there was a couple of them. And that's like what happened. But anyways, um, it's in one. <laughs> I got really excited because sirens are in like my favorite, like literary work of all time. Homer's The Odyssey. Oh, Brilliant so good. Work. Brilliant. But anyways, um, we see them in the Odyssey. Like we know that Odysseus is like traveling home and he knows that he's going to pass by some sirens. And so he knows that they're going to sing and that they're going to crash and die. Um, so what he does is he's actually able to resist their singing by clogging his sailor's ears with wax. Like somebody gave him a pro tip. 
But what's interesting about that story is apparently like he was so excited to hear their singing, but he didn't want to die. So he clogged everybody else's ears with wax and then he tied himself to the ship so that he physically like could not steer them towards the sirens so that he could hear like their beautiful music, but not wow. like perish. So apparently that's a thing, but <laughs> if any mortal were able, like they were able to resist like the singing temptations of the sirens, um, trigger warning, they would just like suicide and they would drown themselves or throw themselves like off of a cliff. So pretty dark stuff. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know what that, that reminds me of? Um, I can't remember the name of it, but that like ancient like Japanese practice of like you know you brought like shame to your family or your culture so you now have to kill yourself upon your sword oh, it's yeah. like it's like I brought shame upon my people I couldn't lure this man so I, I just saw a, I just saw a criminal minds beyond borders episode about that oh my god you just you're gonna watch there. criminal minds you gotta watch <laughs> the good one but anyway I'm so listen it, the good one, Daniel Honey, doesn't come even, out until the last couple seasons. Even, like, it doesn't even deserve the hashtag multi fandom because it's not even good. But yes. anyway, it has Daniel Henny. Love that man. Moving on. Harry Potter and Greek mythology. <laughs> um, uh, some other stories, like I mentioned previously, say that they were actually supposed to be, like, not in the siren form. They were supposed to be companions of Persephone and they were kind of, like, supposed to keep her safe. And then after that ended up with Hades literally kidnapping her and taking her to the underworld, <laughs> some mm -hmm. people say that they mm -hmm. were punished. And that's why they were turned into like half lady, half bird things. Mm -hmm. So that's just like another one that I thought was kind of cool. Uh, but in the 19th century, there was a poem entitled The Lorelei uh, that describes like water nymphs. And they sing to lure men to their deaths, a lot like sirens do. But there was this woman, and this mm. is like, it gets so exciting here because I went so deep into the interwebs to like start finding information that I actually ended up reading like a peer reviewed article by somebody who goes to the university of Pennsylvania. Um, well, by somebody else who was writing about somebody who went to the university <laughs> of Pennsylvania. Her yeah. Name, that's how you know, like you got deep. Her name is Emily yeah. Wilson, not the author, the lady that the author was writing about. Uh, oh my she's, God. Like, she's a classicist. And so she basically studies like the classics, like Greek mythology, Roman thought, yeah. whatever, at the University of Pennsylvania. And she thinks that maybe the imagery at that time just kind of merged. And so the sirens just kind of became synonymous with water nymphs who did kind of the same things that sirens did. And then from there is kind of where we got this like all encompassing like mermaids that sing and lure you to your death. Uh, but when you say siren, like I'm sure that the first thing you think of is like a half fish, half lady. Mm -hmm. uh, but really siren is like the bird lady. But so actually, uh, on speaking on that and moving on with it i was looking up on sirens and like jenny said there are a lot of versions of sirens and even more studies on like the crossing of timelines like how they could have merged what happened to the sirens we're not going to get into that but one story that does like says um that kind of stood out to me was that one day a giant sea serpent saw the sirens and ate the bird halves of the sirens the sirens in desperation killed nearby large fish and used their bodies to replace their missing limbs. Um, Whoa. Interesting, like right? That. It's kind of metal. I kind of like it too, um, especially just because it like, it, it kind of puts both 
perspectives together and I'm going to get more into it. So uh, this woman named Jane Harrison in the book Myths of the Odyssey, she suggests that the quote unquote, the tale of an evil sea monster was meant to emphasize the sirens corruption and darkness. So um, this kind of is more focused on like the evolution of sirens in like art and literature and stuff like that. But this still kind of supports the theory in the sense that like what she says in the book is that their song ended in death. And so the beautiful maiden was fitly given the tale of an evil sea monster. And thus we find the siren transformed into the modern mermaid. So this for me kind of like triggered my thought process as well. Cause I was just like, what, what if I like, just say, what if maybe this happened and mermaids are like derived from Vila's or something. So like Ooh. Vila's also are you using this as like another like love affair, like a Vila fell in love with like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I wouldn't say it's like a love affair. It's more so like when I first started learning about Vila's, a lot of mermaid-like traits, or when I say mermaid-like, I say like siren-like traits came out and stood out to me. Mm -hmm. And this story, when I read it, it for me, it sounded like what if, like what we know as the Greek mythology sirens, the half woman, half bird, could have been something so in the Harry Potter universe, but something sort of like a vila. And then those vilas got chomped up by a sea monster. Um, and then they became like what we know as sirens, which it, in the Harry Potter universe, which is mer people. So just a, a particular type of mermaid. And then when those sirens left Greece, you know, and then they spread around like across the oceans, then we got these different like subgenres, sub like species of mer people. There we go. Sub subspecies of mer people. So I don't know. I for me in my head, that's how it all kind of ties in together. I don't know if uh, she who must not be named saw it that way, but I think a couple episodes ago I took back the world building from her. So I'm just gonna claim it as <laughs> my own canon. That's it. You know, as All we right. get more and more into this episode, I feel like we did a major boo-boo and -boo not having Raul as like a guest because Raul has True. a degree in history mm -hmm. with a focus on classical history. Damn. We missed out, bro. Elizabeth! <laughs> All right. I forget. Listen, listen I'm just going to glaze over the fact that you just <laughs> said that. I'm so irritated right now, but I literally am just going to make myself happy because I've been waiting to say this for like literally three weeks. It feels <laughs> yeah. Like. But oh my God. Okay. So let me just set the mood for you real quick. This is where I shine because I'm going to tell you like the best story that's ever happened in my life. So I'm <laughs> reading these articles. I've got like my glasses on. Like that's when you know it's serious. I'm sitting on my couch, like messy bun, like let's go write this thing. Right. And so I'm reading, like I'm deep in like, in like an article that I clicked on from another article from another article, like I'm in it. Right. And so I'm reading about this classicist, the Emily Wilson chick or whatever, and I'm reading all of these things. And so I'm the article is specifically about how sirens and mermaids like merged and became one. Right. That's all it is focusing on. It's not even that long. And so I'm scrolling through right after like the fourth paragraph, I stumble upon the greatest photo of literally all time. And it's like, Oh yeah. I don't know. Oh, like yeah. maybe nine or 10 o'clock, like Texas time. So <laughs> it's a little bit later for the other girls. And I just like, I see this photo, like this, like little, I don't, it's like a photo of like a work of art. And I'm like, it just hits me like right then and there. Like, 
Marianne has been right the whole time. Like we've been yeah. covering, we've been covering up a conspiracy theory on this podcast, <laughs> and it's about to be released. I'm and not I crazy. Just so you know, I just started reading Percy Jackson hashtag multi fandom. So like the Greek mythology, really for me right now, is just like flowing. It is in abundance, <laughs> and I'm like the fates have led me here. So I literally FaceTime Elizabeth, who has a migraine, and Marianne in the middle of the night, and I'm like, you guys. There's truth in Marianne's stupid mer people centaur theory. Hey, it's not I stupid. Like, I like flip the camera. There is a work of art from the 13th century that shows it portrays a siren and a centaur. And I'm talking like mm-hmm. like a siren siren and a centaur. And so I'm like trying to find information on this portrait. And I can't because the internet is literally covering it up. And so I find out that it's Flemish and it's from the 13th century. And so I do a Google image search and I find a bunch of links, but there's no information. And lo and behold, I find that it is on a poem from the 15th century. But the poem is in Latin and none of us can read it. So I'm like, okay, obviously, like, this appeared somewhere. Like, somebody had to have written something about it. I don't know if they're like, this is a siren, this is a centaur, they're in love, that's the poem, have a nice day. But I'm like, we've got to find out, like, what this is. And so, at this point, the Ravenclaw in me is, like, soaring. Like, I've spread my wings, and I'm like, you guys, like, this is for real. Like, this is outside of what Marianne is thinking. This is, like, forget even about Harry Potter. Like, this is minuscule compared to what I have uncovered. So I'm like, clearly, I'm uncovering, like, a piece of human history here. So, anyways, <clears throat> let me compose myself so I can, like, properly just launch into this, okay? <laughs> <laughs> While we're, like, trying to decipher Latin, which none of us have ever seen or read, Elizabeth, with her migraine, is like, I I don't care about my migraine right now. Like, we need to figure this out. It's for the podcast. Of course. And so, obviously, like, me and her, like, just, like, Googling. I think Marianne was just sitting on her bed, like, so extremely happy. (laughs) So happy. She was just like, oh, my God, there's love in the world. And so, I was able to find out that the poem is from somebody named Jean Boucher Woodcut. I don't know, but he wrote that in the 15th century. The painting, if you want to Google it, is by Ghent Bruges, but I don't know. That's pretty much a dead end. Like you Google those things and then like nothing happens. You just see the picture like over and over and over again in like all sorts of different iterations. So at this point, like Elizabeth is like, let me do some digging. I'm going to get my magnifying glass. So she is able to find some sort of info stating that sirens and centaurs actually in the Middle Ages were basically like the embodiment of sin. And they also exist as statues on the outside of churches. So I'm like, okay, let me throw church into my Google search. And boy, did I find a lot. So if you ever go and travel to Burgundy, you can go to this church there and there's actual (laughs) sirens and centaurs built into the structure of this church sitting in the air like it is forbidden so that's exciting but there's apparently like a lot of roman myths and this is like i literally could die right now because i feel like we finally uncovered it so the roman myths are pretty much like the greek myths except like zeus is jupiter and whatever right Mm -hmm. and so apparently in the roman mythology there was a part part i can never say her name part a woman a woman named Parthenope. Parthenope, thank <laughs> you. So I, we're assuming that she's a woman. I don't know. But their name was Parthenope. And she was, 
a siren. And she was in love with a centaur. Yeah. (laughs) So the centaur was named Vesuvius, which you may have heard before. So Jupiter, who is like I said, the Zeus of like Roman mythology, is totes in love with Parthenope. And he's like, babe, like you got to ditch this other dude. Like you're obviously going to end up with me. And she's like, I'm in love with Vesuvius. Leave me alone. (laughs) And so he gets so mad. He gets so upset that he turns Vesuvius into a volcano and he turns Parthenope into a city. So that they can never love each other. And these cities actually exist. Like Vesuvius is a thing. And Par- well, Parthenope is not called Parthenope. But the city is a thing. Mm-hmm. Parthenope is Naples. Naples. It's Naples, you guys. In Italy. I've and been to Naples. I, I know. I was like, and I've been probably, there. That's probably why you had the intuitive sense to be like a mer person and a centaur fell in love. Because you were in the city of their love. And I'm, I'm telling you, my my one eighth Italian is so strong that I have this minuscule connection to my ancestors and their mythology. That's Listen, why. I'm just shook it to the core because... Like, we just uncovered, like, some major stuff. I mean, I knew it the whole time. Yeah, but, like... (laughs) I was always right. The real story. Like, how weird is it that I was reading an article about another lady who studies classic literature, and just for no reason at all, there's a centaur and a siren who are clearly in love on a 13th century painting. Like, what? It's clearly, like, it was destiny. I feel like government agencies are going to be hunting us down for uncovering the (laughs) truth. But I also feel like Marianne is going to write her fan fiction about the merpeople and the centaurs. I'm just... I'm just saying, like, I need to see the numbers, bro. I need 500 people on Insta, 500... We'll say, like, 200 people on Twitter. Let me know. Hit us up. Be like, I want to read it. Marianne, I believe in you. Write this fan fiction. (laughs) whatever the people want it the people want to see it but also fun fact if anyone has ever seen the movie meet the robinsons oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> mount vesuvius I there's mean, a little mo- hashtag multi-fandom reference i just feel like we should take a trip to i don't know naples all three of us together Amazing. there's many trips that we have to take but yes that'll be a stop i'm like all right i'm like sweaty because i was so excited and obviously mm-hmm. all of this Leads us perfectly into, uh, what, guys? Centaurs! Oh, my God. Ew. You guys didn't even practice stuff like that. <laughs> you guys, it makes like, it better that way. You guys have, like, FaceTimes, like, during the week when I'm working, and you're like, let's practice these things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exactly. All right. So, as you guys can imagine, there is so much to unpack in regards to centaurs in the wizarding world specifically, because... Out of all the beasts, we kind of see them a little bit more often. Yeah. Um. So they make their first appearance in book one. You know, we see, you know, Firenze and uh, Blair? Blaze? Blaine. Blaine. Blaine, Blaine. <laughs> Blaine Warbler? Blair. Blair. <laughs> I knew girl. it had to be. He's like, XOXO. The Gossip girl. <laughs> or Blair Warbler. <laughs> ba, 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 ooh, ba, ba. Okay. <laughs> Centaurs anyway, just English. We meet them. We see their ability to read the stars. Um, 
even though it's like it's very like wishy-washy it's very different than how wizards use it use divination and that's why like they're super untrustworthy because you know obviously you can't trust anything that's different than you anyways (sighs) so we know that eventually friends runs you know harry potter out of the forest after he encounters you know the weird flying i'm sorry i just had like a total like mental connection Firenze, Firenze, like Florence. That's the Italian word. Florence. And what else is Italian? Naples. It's all (gasps) connected. It's all connected. It's the T's. That is the witchcraft, sis. It just keeps coming. I'm so sorry that I interrupted you. I just had like a total. No, that's great. Anyways, so our beautiful (laughs) Italian centaur, Firenze. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> runs Harry Potter out of the forest when he encounters the weird spectral Lady V who's drinking unicorn <laughs> blood. And, you know, there's a whole herd? Yeah. 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 Sure. Herd of centaurs living in the Forbidden Forest. Um, And that's why they kind of, like, their territory is, like, restricted to there. And there's a whole bunch of tensions. Um, And they are only allowed to live in, like, designated spaces that wizard, that wizards have, like, colonized for them. And it's a big boo-boo if they step out of those spaces. But anyways. <laughs> um, so Umbridge. Ugh, <laughs> keep it short and sweet. Umbridge actively wrote anti-centaur legislation. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. This is why she gets her future. Comes back and bites her in the booty. Anyways. Booty. I'm gonna- I don't like thinking of Umbridge with a booty. I didn't want to say the ASS word because, I mean, I you know, family-friendly like, podcast. Like booty is like a, you know. She, Jenny just winked at me. <laughs> I just, that was really uncomfortable. I'm just saying booty. It's like, you know, like a cutie with a booty. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's oh, like okay. a more um, positive. The gluteus term. maximus. <laughs> I think that's where you should go. So yes, uh, we do. Uh, moving on before this gets weirder. <laughs> yeah, um, we do meet other name centaurs. Like I said, there's friends, Bane, Ronan, and Magorian. I like his name. His name is cool. Oh, hey, well, get ready for his name because his name is a uh, is a uh, mouthful. But anyway, right. so etymology I'm just, queen. Let's go. I've got some etymology for you, ladies and gents. Uh, so Bane is actually the is Germanic in, in origin. I don't know how to say that, but German is what I mean. It comes from Germanic German. was actually correct. <laughs> okay, thank God, because I felt like a dummy saying it. Um, comes from German origins, uh, and it means causing death or poison. Ooh, I just Ooh, I don't like him. Yeah, sometimes I think. (laughs) Sometimes when I think of Bane too, like hashtag multi fandom, and I don't know much about this, but it reminds me a lot about like the Dark Knight. Yeah, I don't know much about Batman, but that's what it also reminds me. I also don't like him either, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Then we've got Ronan, which is a slightly better name. Uh, We've it's it's so cute. It's Irish in origin, meaning little seal, (laughs) and. What did we talk about? Seals? Selkies. Selkies. Which oh, are people. Saiyan. And centaurs. And centaurs. Maybe his mom was a selkie. Maybe, maybe his mom love, was a selkie. Maybe the love is like from before the Harry Potter time. 
I oh, it was definitely before the Harry Potter time. He's like a product of that love, man. And his mm-hmm. mom was like, "I'm a seal, and now you're a seal." I can't. <laughs> I'm dead. Uh, okay. Then we've got Ferenz, as we all know very well and love. His uh, uh, his name means blooming. And then we've got Magorian. So here's the tea with Magorian because there's a lot here. Uh, so Magorian, broken down, means son of Magor. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, Magor comes from the Norman name Mogor. <laughs> Hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, and now that means the son of Mogier. An old French personal name that's derived from the old Germanic name Malger. No. <laughs> that's just a lot. You know, people roaming around the earth and their names just start evolving with the places that they live. But finally, that means Council Spear. So he was like the head of the centaurs? Yeah. So, and he, I think he technically was. He yeah, was yeah. a leader. Oh, look at that. We technically know our Harry Potter. Wow. Yeah. He was the okay. one to be like, mm. <laughs> yes. let's go umbridge bye all right so um we know that the centaurs are very territorial they have issues with hagrid when he is keeping grop in the forest the way that they are so possessive over their territories really reminds me of native americans and indigenous people because you know they're, they're conquered yeah they're they're in restricted territories. They're not allowed to leave those territories. And like, it's, they, all, it's, they also have a connection to the land. Exactly. So um, they are very proud. They distinguish themselves as very different from humans. Um, they have magical healing skills in astronomy. Um, you know, they just have a lot of magicalness. That's why they're called magical beings, right? <laughs> magicalness. <laughs> <laughs> this is a beast uh, episode. Oh, magical beasts. Sorry. But in our hearts, they're beings. They're <laughs> they are only not beings because, because they are in love witches. with mer people. Oh my god. Yeah. True. True. Anyways, um, apparently, and I did not know this before we did all of our research, is that they can use nonverbal magic. Yep. Isn't so- that crazy? Mm-hmm. I don't know why we think it's so crazy because like house elves have nonverbal magic. Yeah. A lot of go- so do goblins. Yeah. But I don't know. When I read it about the centers, I was like, what? Yeah. I don't know why. It only makes sense though. Like. Thank you, Marianne. Mm. <laughs> I mean, like if they have all these magical healing properties and they don't have wands, how else are they going to do it? You know? <laughs> I mean, well, it I could be like Phoenixes and just cry it. Before. Cry it. <laughs> they're crying their magic okay yeah anyways Let's continue all right now spoiler alert for those who play hogwarts mystery yeah i'm not judging you but i'm judging you i mean i don't care about it being spoiled i don't play it yeah but uh there is a character named jacob um he knew there was like some kind of like cursed vault Yes. In the forest at Hogwarts. Marin's yeah. like, yes, this game is amazing. <laughs> I Listen, I don't play it extensively, but I do read up on the lore of Hogwarts oh, Mystery. This just seems okay. <laughs> um, he convinced a centaur named Torvis to help him, I guess, like locate this vault. And he discovered the he would need here. a jewel encrusted arrowhead to open this vault. And Torvis was like, nah brah like this is a family heirloom you cannot have that of course 
And then, you know, humans being humans, <laughs> Jacob stole it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, Jacob's sibling comes to the school and, like, becomes friends with Torvis. And Torvis helps him and a friend train to fight, like, some other type of vault thing. I don't know. Hogwarts mystery gets very convoluted. Yeah. yeah. And he apparently uses nonverbal magic during the dual training. That was a very long story just to say that they use nonverbal magic and it's in the <laughs> in the lore. It's great. Come at me, bro. <laughs> Hogwarts mystery, guys. The end. <laughs> Anyways, our actual like uh, Greek history and more like actual history. All right. Going into the history of what the centaurs have gone through in the Harry Potter universe um, in like the mid 1990s. The Ministry of Magic throughout the Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures, that's such a long name, Mm -hmm. classified them as near human intelligence, according to Law 15B. All right. That's the law that Umbridge recites (laughs) when she leads, you know, Harry and Hermione into the forest and, you know, whatever. (laughs) There is a centaur liaison office that exists at the Ministry of Magic, but like no centaur has ever used it. So it's like, what's the point? Um, It's become an inside joke at the ministry. And when someone is about to get fired, that they're being sent to that office. So now centaurs are the butts of people's jokes. Mm. Um, They did fight, though, in the Battle of Hogwarts against Lady V. So, you know. I guess they knew at least the good Late. wizards from the bad ones. But they showed up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that's, I think that's when they saw the stars and they're like, you know, like, I guess at this point, it's a good time because things aren't getting yes. better. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe a mer person convinced them. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Centaurs and myth. So, um, <laughs> they're still half man, half horse in the mythology. Uh, and they were said to actually live in the mountains of Thessaly and Arcadia. And some myths say that they came from the union of the king of the Lapis. Ix- Ixion, I think is his name. I don't know. I could be butchering that too. Um, and a cloud made in Hera's image named Nephili. And honestly, while I was reading this, I was like, this is why I like Greek mythology so much because that dude just got it on with a cloud that looked like a lady and produced like a whole species. And if that's not yeah. impressive, then I don't know what is. Greek mythology is pretty wild. It is. But uh, yeah, so there wasn't honestly really a lot of like stories that kind of like jumped out to me when I was researching the mythology on these guys. But um, I did notice that they were all, like, in all of the stories, they were just painted as, like, savages. Um, mm-hmm. They drank a lot. They really liked fighting and, like, causing problems. And so with this image in mind, um, a really well-known centaur in Greek myth is Chiron. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Again, hashtag multifandom. Like, what's up to anybody who reads Percy Jackson? But <laughs> um, he was known as, like, a wise and civilized centaur. And... Um, So he was basically like the opposite of everything that the other centaurs were. Um, And he actually is like, um, what do you call Like an advisor, I guess, right? To a bunch of like really important people like Hercules and stuff. But he seems to be pretty chill. Also in the Percy Jackson movie, he's played 
by Pierce Brosnan, then I just really like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like a nice person. He just looks but, like a nice person. <laughs> but that's that. So uh, they're half horses. You know what's a full horse? Unicorns! Yes! Unicorns! Yes. Um, so what a transition. Really Thank you. I worked really hard on it. So, um, in book one, we get a quote about unicorns from Firenze. And he's like, only one who has nothing to lose and everything to gain would commit such a crime. The blood mm-hmm. of a unicorn will keep you alive, even if you are an inch from death, but at a terrible price. And then my favorite lines in like the Harry Potter series ever come after that oh man i said it too early (laughs) he continues and he says you've slain something so pure and defenseless to save yourself and you will have but a half life a cursed (laughs) life from the moment the blood touches your lips and that was like when i realized that this series was gonna be drama af and i was like (laughs) i am into it and amazing can i just say i love the actor who delivered these lines in the first (laughs) movie You know how you love, like, the prophecy so much? Which I do, too. I love the prophecy. But, like, this is my prophecy where he's like, a half-life, a cursed life. It's just so dramatic. (laughs) Like, I love it. But anyways, um, I have a lot of issues, and so we're going to stick a pin in them, but we'll get to them eventually. Um, (laughs) So unicorns obviously belong to the horse family. They are equids, in my opinion. Um, And they're found in the forests of Europe. And so they're born pure gold, and then they turn silver. Which actually, the fact that they're born pure gold is actually kind of cool because a lot of like antelope species and like ungulates, which are hooved animals, they're born all tan. Like even if they have like stripes and stuff that usually comes later or like their coloring comes later. It's not for every species, but it does happen. Wow. Yeah. And so they're born like all like this beige tan little yummy color. They're so cute. And I was like, (laughs) "Ah, it's almost like gold. But anyways. So they're born born pure gold and then they turn um, silver, like pure silver after two years. And then they turn so white that they look the freshly fallen snow look gray. Um, Oh, that's so cute. And their hooves always stay golden, which honestly made me laugh because all I could think of was like stay golden, pony boy, but whatever. Yes. Ah! (laughs) So um, their horn grows in at around the age of four, which I actually find extremely infactual. It would have been there since birth, but we're not going to talk about it. (laughs) <laughs> and their blood is silver blue in color. Wow. And so wow. I'm not going to say that it would have been there since birth. I would like to retract that statement. I would say that it is highly likely that that would have been there since birth. Like at least like a little nub, but whatever. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> unicorns are super fast and they can easily outrun werewolves, which I didn't know, even though Hagrid mentions it in book one. He um, does? Yeah. So when they're looking for the thing that's like killing these unicorns, I think it's Harry. Don't quote me. One of the kids is like, can it be a werewolf? And he's like, bruh, werewolves are super easy to outrun if you're a unicorn. So, yeah, he does mention it in book one. Um, and we know that their tail hairs are deemed to be one of the, like, the supreme magical wand cores by the Ollivander family. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is where we're going to unpin my pin because I have questions. Um, questions. So my first question really is just like, how are we getting the tail hairs? Because that's just like, I don't know, kind of concerning to me. Like unicorns, They could be falling off. So unicorns are known to be distrustful of men when they're fully grown. This is a thing. Um, and like, I just like, I need to know, are they taking them from calves? 
are the unicorns just giving them out like phoenixes? Are they just yanking out hairs, like sneaking up on the animals? I mean, is it like what Marianne said? Like, are they just falling out? Which sometimes that does happen. But like, if the hair is so strong that it could be put into like a wand core, like, I don't know. I would just assume that it's not just like falling out in the middle of the forest, but it could be. I don't know. But I'm just, I have a lot of questions about that and how it's working out for them. I feel Um, like I would like to think that like the people that are getting like the unicorn hairs for like the wand cores are like this group of like bad A females that like just have this beautiful bond with the unicorns and like, you know, they they're like they have a kinship with them. And in that kinship, they have this trust. And in the trust, the unicorns let them like brush their manes and brush their tails. I'm just going to stop you right there because that's beautiful. But that's just like not how animals work. Like the giraffe are just not going to let me like walk up to them and be like, yo, let me pluck out one of your hairs. Like I don't care. Well, no, when you brush hair, hair comes out when you brush it. Like I thought you were being like they love each other and she brushes the unicorn. And so it just lets it pluck out its hair like that's where I thought you were going no if anyone even plucks out my hair i'm like ow that hurt i'm gonna get mad i'm gonna get mad i just i I just have a lot of questions about it because and i know that we can't really use it because it's movies but like in the movies like they just seem to not have like a great attitude towards animals like in general like mcgonagall always has some sort of animal like locked up in a cage for her transfiguration classes but i mean even in the books like they're using like mice and stuff for their transfiguration classes so i feel like wizard kind like on a whole is just like they have a superior like holier than thou attitude they're like we're gonna use these animals to do i don't know whatever it is that we need to do in this transfiguration class but i've always had questions like when you transfigure the mice like do are they still sentient beings are they just cups like do they become goblets do they stop living like i just have a lot of questions (laughs) but issues part two they also use their horns like pieces of their horns or whatever for making potions like it's listed as the ingredient for a couple of the ones that we see in the book um and i don't know it just kind of like i know it's like kind of maybe like a stretch but i just want to go on like a tangent and it just reminds me of like rhinos like people poach them for their horns to use them Mm -hmm. for like medicinal purposes Mm -hmm. and so just like psa like that has led to such a decline in the rhino population there's already rhinos that are extinct like species that literally no longer exist like anywhere on this planet so when i was reading about the horns i was like i don't like this because it reminds me of real life So I just have like a very cynical outlook on it, but that's just me. Also, I know that it doesn't really have anything to do with this episode, but we are talking about unicorns. And like I mentioned before, I did care for rhinos. And just like as a fun fact, there's these things called greater one horn rhinos. They're so cute. I love them so much. But their scientific name is literally rhinoceros unicornis. And I was like, I have to include this. That's amazing. That's amazing. you're (laughs) You're welcome. Um, But yeah, so it's like kind of the same thing with the horn. Like, how are they getting it? Are they shaving it? Like, are they just like killing the animal to take the horn? Like, how is this happening? Like, are they just finding dead ones and they're just using like the horns from those? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I have like, like, are they doing it sustainably? I don't know. I think unfortunately with the track record of wizards currently, um, they are probably taking all of these by force. Probably. But then it's like. Well, if you're like if you're drinking the blood, like you've done such a like impure thing, like does the same thing happen even if you don't take blood and you take something else from the unicorn? Because really, he just says if you slay a unicorn, 
than like the moment that the blood touches your lips. Like, is it the same if you're taking like other items from the unicorn? Maybe it's just their blood that's like that really magical, like yeah, deep cursed property to it. Whereas like, you know, the rest of them is magical and the rest of them is strong. It's just, you know, you won't have a half life, a cursed half life. life. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I can't. I didn't really super delve into the Greek mythology on these guys. I just got like some history stuff. Um, but apparently it was a medieval belief that only maidens could tame unicorns. And I guess like maybe that's why it's written into the books that they just prefer women. Yeah. Um, but also back in the day, cultures used to write about them like they were actual real animals. Um, and they were described in natural history textbooks. And um, they've also been described a couple of different ways, which is actually super interesting. Um, they were described as having the body of a donkey and sometimes even a goat. So what's interesting about that is I used to take care of animals called Arabian oryxes. You can look them up if you'd like. Um, they kind of look like goats. Like they've got the little two hooves and stuff like that. And their coat kind of looks like a goat's coat. But um, they're actually from the Arabian Peninsula, but sometimes they're like a very aggressive um, species and they fight a lot. And sometimes they would literally fight to the point where like one of their horns would just like come off, Um, which sounds actually kind of crazy. But really, it's like hollow under there. Like there's nothing in the horn, but whatever. So anyways, like part of their like one of their horns would just come off and then they would have like like one horn, like a unicorn. And so a lot of people like way back in the day thought that when people would go out into the wild and like describe or draw these animals, they thought that that's originally like where the myth of a unicorn began because here was this animal who kind of has that look like they've got hooves and they look like a goat or whatever. But then if they had been in a fight and they only had the one horn, that could be like a really easy miscommunication. And so that's how some people think the myth of unicorn like arose. And here I am thinking that unicorns were probably an actual thing, and then humans just destroyed them, like they destroy That's everything also, else. Like, super, super, like possible. I mean, there's animals <laughs> I took care of that weren't even discovered until after the 1900s. Like, that's yeah, that's true. So there's that too. There's that too. There's a lot. We I'd like know. to think. Yeah, I saw a meme actually the other day, and I thought it was really appropriate, and it's like. Why does everybody just, like, believe in giraffes? Like, what's more believable? Like, a horse with a horn coming out of the middle of its head? Or, like, a horse with a 40-foot neck? And I was like, you're right. (laughs) And I thought it was funny. (laughs) Especially because you you work with them now. (laughs) I know. Why? I always actually, I always have. But I was just like, how funny is that? And then I go to work, and I'm like, wow. (laughs) This this is crazy. (laughs) It's like you wow, as you keep looking up and up and up <laughs> and up and up, like, and up. Well, as I'm like staring up at this like eighteen foot animal, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> so now right. we're gonna be moving on to one of my faves, hippo grips. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> he said that's so funny. I can't hippo grips. Hippo grips. <laughs> the saw. Do you guys know the saw from Goblet of Fire? That uh, oh, yeah. dance around like a crazy like days girl. Yeah. Dance <laughs> with myself. So. Yeah, I love that song. I love that song, and it's got something about hippogriffs, and that just it like does. came into my it just came into my mind just right now. But it's fine. I we're moving on, anyways. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll remember it later. But it's a, I, it's a great song. I jammed out to that at fourteen years old. <laughs> 
But anyways, so a hippogriff is what we know as a magical beast that had the front legs, front legs, wings, and a head of a giant eagle, and the body, hind legs, and tail of a horse. Uh, it was very similar to another magical creature, the griffin, uh, with the horse rear replacing the lion rear. Oh my God, um, so complicated, by the very way. Very complicated. All these different, like, basically oh all these different things, but they're all the sort of the same thing. But anyways, we meet Buckbeak, our hippogriff. Oh, I love him. In book three slash movie three, Prisoner of Azkaban, we save Buckbeak as well and Sirius Black in Prisoner of Azkaban. Thank you. And <laughs> Thank you, Alfonso Coron. Uh, we also know that Buckbeak lives with Sirius in hiding for a very long time, and after his untimely death, is left to Hagrid by Harry. Oh, I know. Also, breeding hippogriffs was a job, as we know in the wizarding world, with none other than Newt Scamander's mother being a breeder. Wow. So, yeah, I actually knew that. Um, because that's the reason why Newt Scamander ends up becoming Magi Zoologist is because of his mother's influence in his life. So we wouldn't have the Fantastic Beast series if it wasn't for hippogriffs. Moving on, uh, we know that their diet consists of insects, birds, and small mammals like ferrets. Interesting enough, because we know Buckbeak attacks Draco, who will be transfigured into a ferret in the next book. Ooh. Coincidence? Maybe. Uh, They build nests on their ground and only lay one egg at a time. Uh, it would be legitimately scary to stumble upon a hippogriff as there is some etiquette to meeting them as we see in the third book slash movie. Uh, you got to maintain eye contact, but then the entire time, like not even blinking, it's super hard. Uh, and you also have to bow and make sure that you they bow in return to your bow. Uh, and then after that, you're all golden. Um, so it's a lot about mutual respect. These hippogriffs, you know, they do not let wizard kind walk all over them. Yeah. So really quick, if you guys ever get the chance to purchase like the library book version of Fantastic Beasts, um, I highly suggest it because the library book is like depicted as like being owned by Harry Potter, but having like been in the hands of like several other students including ron and so ron and harry have like doodles and notes everywhere all over the book and one of them is in the hippogriff section and the hippogriff section says they can be tamed though this should be attempted only by experts and then ron writes has hagrid read this book i just thought that was funny <laughs> oh no that was like slight shade to hagrid yeah <laughs> Anyways, we know Buckbeak attacks Snape on the Battle of the Astronomy Tower. Uh, he's also led uh, the Thestrals into battle against Lady V's giants in the Battle of Hogwarts. And a hippogriff also makes an appearance in the Circus Arcanus, which is a circus visiting town in the Fantastic Beasts Crimes of Grindelwald movie. Poor, poor hippogriff. Poor, poor hippogriff. <laughs> Paul. I, I love them. I love hippogriffs. I think they're one of my favorite creatures, as I've already mentioned before. So, they are great. Hippogriffs and myth. Let's just start a mythology podcast. Honestly, we right? Really should. That's what we should do. <laughs> and then I'll actually get Raul to be in it with us. Wow, I'm so excited. <laughs> so, anyways, 
oh my god and there's three of us except for like when raul guess it could be like cerberus or like fluffy come on you guys <laughs> that's so exciting okay um, hit me up on twitter if you want to start a greek mythology podcast but other than that let's talk about hippogriffs Woo! i'd never heard of a hippogriff before i read harry potter so i was very um shook i guess to find that they're actually like from greek myth they're ugh, this is where it gets complicated they're said to oh my gosh my voice <laughs> every episode <laughs> hippogriffs and myth so i'd never heard of a hippogriff before um reading harry potter but they are actually included in greek myth so i was kind of shook this is where it gets kind of complicated. They're said to be the offspring. It's not really complicated at all. They're said to be the offspring <laughs> of horses and griffins. Wow. Griffins, um, aside from being like the cutest little nephew I've ever had in my life, are um, bird, like eagle lions. So eagle lion got together with horse. So then we got eagle horse. Very easy. I guess lion is like a recessive trait. I don't know. So, <laughs> Um, fun fact, I don't know why I put this in here again, but hippo, like hippogriff, it, it does actually mean horse. Cause like hippopotamus, like if you break it down etymology queen, it means like mm -hmm. river horse. So whatever, that was fun. You're welcome. <laughs> Supposedly they are a symbol of the Greek God Apollo. Mm -hmm. Also one of those stories where there was like multiple ones. And I just chose this one cause it sounded appealing. Um, <laughs> but their first, their first appearance. Well, I'm wrong. It's not their first appearance. It's they make an appearance, the hippogriffs, in um, a work by this guy named, oh, this is a name, Ludovico, yeah. Levitico, I don't know, Ar Ariosto. In Ludovico Ariosto. All right, accents. In 1516, he wrote a story called Orlando Furioso. Um, Damn, I mean, that was real butched. <laughs> okay, Orlando Furioso. Yeah, but that just means furious Orlando. Orlando is not only a place in Florida, but it's also like a person's name if you speak Spanish. So it seems like um, they were often described, like to explain. It's almost like an idiom to explain something that was like impossible that it was going to happen, like. Mm. Like, what's something impossible? I don't know. Okay, I'm going to become a celebrity overnight, right? Then oh, that's such a hippogriff. Like, You're such a hippogriff. <laughs> like, it's never going to happen. But You're jokes on you guys because hippogriffs happen. So anyways, um, <laughs> this was because the griffin and the mare, the horse, were like mortal enemies, apparently. And it was really unlikely that they would come together. But wow, that just did, made me think of Twilight because I'm watching Twilight and like okay. werewolves and vampires actually, are mortal enemies. Put a pin in that because I'm going to say something. But actually, <laughs> um, it was like they were never going to come together. It was like forbidden. And uh, and so like if they did come together, like it was such an impossible occurrence. And then a hippogriff was born, obviously, of that of that coming together. Yeah. Is that how it works, Jenny? I was going to make a joke, but I won't. So, <laughs> the hippogriff is a sign of love. Oh, man. Yes. Let's keep it. Let's keep it like that. I was. Mm, I oh, man. Tell you guys what I was going to say. But, yeah. I think we can get there. I mean, I said my words in a specific order for a reason. Yeah. 
I think we can get there. And our uh, older audience <laughs> will get there as well. I hope you can't hear my laugh right after. <laughs> kind of a dead giveaway, but whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on to our last. Oh, what I was going to say oh. is I started watching Twilight. I told you guys a couple weeks ago. And then now you started watching Twilight. But someone else in our friend group also recently started watching Twilight. And I feel like the infection is just spreading. Yeah. I, I think it's just like all this like talk of like breaking dawn, not breaking dawn, midnight sun coming out. Mm. That I'm we're all, this you know. close to buying a Kindle. And then getting that book. I did read the original chapters that were leaked in like 2008. Me too. And so now I'm interested. But anyways, moving on. Hashtag multi-fandom. Hashtag that is for our other special podcast just for our patrons. Birdie Bots Every Flavor Fandoms. Oh, yeah. I forgot that we chose Twilight. Yeah, Twilight is our next one. That'd be fun. Woohoo. Anyways. Our last beast are the Sphinx. Oh, yeah. Okay, I like that, you poser. You didn't even want to do Sphinxes. I had to talk you into it. Because there's so many other beasts, but then, you know, we decided that the other beasts were going to be done at another time. So, you know, now we're doing Sphinx. And Sphinxes, they're very hard to say, but they're very <laughs> cool creatures. <laughs> they're also very underrated. They really go, they're really fitting for this uh, oh, yeah. creatures of this love story I arc. Like, I was like so hurt because I was just like, oh, Sphinxes. And Elizabeth was like, Sphinxes. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I thought they were really cool. No, because it was like sphinxes or dragons. And I was like, guys, oh, dragons. Yeah. yeah. But then like we decided dragons could be a whole other episode. So yeah, stay tuned for that one. That one's gonna be fun. It's gonna be lit. I don't know when it's coming, but it's gonna, it's gonna, be, gonna lit. be lit. Get it? <laughs> <gasps> oh man. Oh man. Oh, oh we okay. could do Aragon too for the Birdie Bosses Every Flavor fandom. That's mm-hmm. a long name. Yeah. So as Marianne mentioned, Sphinxes are definitely the epitome of the Lost Story arc because they make an appearance in book four and then the movies, where are they? They're nowhere to be found. And then they only make that one appearance in book four. And it's like, peace, we're out. We're never going to talk about them again. Yeah, um, right? Like what? Yeah. My God, so, could you imagine if I was like a magi zoologist and I was like in charge of like bringing in the Sphinx? Then I would have been there the night that Lady V came back. Oh, man. I would have been on the right side of history there. Mm. Hmm. (laughs) Anyways, so sphinxes are native to Egypt. Um, Like I mentioned, they only appear in the books in the last task of the Triwizard Tournament. Never make it to the movies. Um, Sphinxes are described as having a human head and a lion's body. I feel like um, they just keep using like the same animals like interchangeably. Like you either yeah. have bird, fish, lion, horse. Like those are your four options. And bird. Oh, we said bird already. Said bird. Yeah. <laughs> it's like bird, fish, bird, lion, bird, horse, human, horse, human, lion. I thought you were making another list and I was like, man, she's really repeating bird a lot. <laughs> Wizard kind uses them to guard very valuable things. So um, sphinxes, as you see in the book, they enjoy riddles and pu- and 
I was about to say puddles. That's what I thought. Yeah, you I sounded said. like that. <laughs> oh, how cute! Like a little sphinx, like jumping in a puddle. <laughs> That'd be cute. But no, it's riddles and puzzles. Um, and the the sphinx that gives Harry the clue says, first, think of a person who lives in disguise, who deals in secrets and tells not but lies. Next, tell me what's always the last thing to mend. The middle of the middle and the end of the end. And finally, give me the sound often heard during the search for a hard-to-find word. Mm. Now string them together and answer me this. Which creature would you be unwilling to kiss? I had no idea where that was going when I was reading it. I was like, mm, I would die here. Oh, my God. Okay, so like as a kid, I was like, I covered like the bottom half of the page. I was like, all right, I'm not going to look. Like I'm going to try and figure this out. It took me like a minute to give up, and I was like, "All right, what is it?" <laughs> I didn't what? even try. I was what just was like, it? "Wait, it's a spider!" A spider. Let's break it down because it's fun. Okay, so first, think of the person who lives in disguise, who deals in secrets and tells not but lies. A spy. A spy. And then the middle of middle and the end of end. The letter D. D. And then finally, give me the sound often heard during the search for a hard to find word. And you're like, then you string them all together, and no one wants to kiss a spider. That's true. But, like, why would there's so many creatures out there that I prefer not to kiss? Yeah, but it's telling you, like, these three things put together equal this one thing at the end. Hmm. And you know what's funny? I feel like in American literature, we wouldn't have really gotten that because in American literature, we really don't he- yeah, use like no the er. Yeah. Maybe that's why we didn't get it because we're like, er, er, no. what the heck is er? I mean, I we would have we would have been like, uh, and it would have been a spider. My brain just doesn't work that way. Like when she said the middle of middle and the end of end, I was like, what? The, the middle, middle of the middle. Of I was middle. like, what is the middle of the middle? Like the center? Like I was so confused. And but not like, like the middle of the of middle word. word. Yes, I would not have gotten that. Yeah, no, not at all. Mm-mm. Ravenclaw for life, though. <laughs> Stuck outside your common Stuck room for life. Room, <laughs> um, uh, it's also known that Gringotts uh, has sphinxes guarding some of their vaults. Um, and they are known for being intelligent and having the ability of human speech. But they are classified as beasts to due to their very violent nature, which I have a lot of issues with, by the way, because yeah. like if they're so violent, then okay, why are they guarding stuff at Gringotts? Like, has there never been an attack? Like, why haven't we heard about it if they're so violent? But Harry was like face to face with this thing, and she was like, you know what, dude, you got it right. Like, she could have easily been like, you got it right. I still want to eat your face. Yeah, she let him pass. So I just have you know some doubt. <laughs> They have a lot of gall to say that the sphinxes are violent when, you know, like, who are the people starting the wars? <laughs> yeah. Not wrong, not wrong not there. Wrong. Um, I love sphinxes personally because they are known to guard, you know, ancient Egyptian tombs. And yeah. so normally if you are, if you stumble upon a sphinx statue outside of a pyramid or outside of a tomb, that means someone very important is inside or there is hidden treasure inside. 
So I I like to see that there's a lot of like a common theme with not just our magical beasts, but even magical beings and stuff that like they all have their own like treasures and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would just like to really see like a rebellion of all the beasts against the wizards. I would definitely be rooting for the beasts. <laughs> Be like, oh, yeah, with the ministry. That would be me. So, <laughs> sphinxes in mythology. The sphinx has a couple of different iterations, um, but some say that they were female monsters with human heads and breasts, a lion's body, and a serpent's tail, and an eagle's wings. Which, like, I guess with the serpent thing, I always get like a little bit confused because, like, to I think me, of like a like, rattlesnake tail. Okay, because I was just gonna say, like, to me. Like, you just, like, they're all tail. It's a tail with some eyes. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but that's just my personal opinion. Um, if we learned one thing tonight, though, it's that Greeks love their part eagles because they think, like, everything has part eagle in it. There are literally so many stories that center on the Sphinx um, and her possible origin. But I'm just going to go ahead and share one, like I've been doing all night. But before I start, I'll say that amongst all the stories, one thing remains the same, like, uh, like for the sphinxes like the girl just loved a riddle like they <laughs> like no matter what story it was they were like puzzles are great so um usually if you could solve the riddle she would let you pass and if not she would kill you um whoa okay a lot of the sphinx origin stories and this is like another thing like it seemed like there wasn't like a whole species of sphinxes like it just seemed like there was this one chick and she was the sphinx uh but a lot of stories place her at thebes um, and so the myth has it that the Sphinx dwelled outside the city of Thebes. And she would ask all travelers a riddle. And if they answered correctly, they could enter the city of Thebes. If they answered incorrectly, they would be eaten by the Sphinx. And so the riddle that she um, presents, I guess, to Oedipus, which you might have heard that name before, like the Oedipus Rex complex. That story's gross. But anyways, the riddle goes, which is a creature that has one voice, but has four feet in the morning, two feet in the afternoon, three feet at night. I'm just going to ask you guys, because I'm assuming that you haven't read this part of the doc. Could you like hazard a guess? Try to say it again. Which is the creature that has one voice, but has four feet in the morning, two feet in the afternoon, and three feet at night. You know, I snuck a peek like I always <gasps> do when I read and I You're read ahead. So, uh, ugh. Anyway, but now that I know the answer, it makes sense. <laughs> it does make sense. But when you're thinking about it now, like Marianne, in the dark, you're like, this is crazy. This is because you the know words what? are misleading. You know what the meme, you guys know the meme where it's like, a girl is just like looking, a blonde girl is just like looking yes. into the air and there's like all this math going around around yeah, here. Like, literally Marianne right now. That's it really what is. it was me. Like I literally was like. All right. So she posts this question to Oedipus and he answers it correctly. He says, man who crawls on all fours when he is born, walks on two as an adult and needs a walking cane when he is old. But that's where I get mad because I'm like, that doesn't happen like morning, afternoon, night. That's like years one to two years like two to 80 and then 80 plus like come on <laughs> so anyways whatever he answers it right and then she has the audacity to ask a second riddle which when i read this part of the story i was like you said that you were gonna give me one riddle and now here i've gotten it right now you're gonna ask me a second one like that's rude oh, whatever. she was really hungry that day maybe <laughs> 
So um, there are two sisters. One gives birth. The other, who in turn gives birth to the first. Who are they? And that's when I was like, what? But Oedipus also answers that correctly. And he says, it's the day and the night. And um, both day and night are found in words in the Greek language. So I guess that's where the sisters things come from. But um, the Sphinx, after this happens, either, and this is where like a bunch of the stories differ, but the two most popular answers are A, throws herself off a cliff, or B, devours herself. Um, the stories can't seem to really agree which one she does, but I really hope she doesn't devour herself because that just seems like really painful and sad. And I feel like at some point, like, you just stop. <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah. But it's like, that's weird. Like, do you get full? Yeah. But also, and, like, and what is it with, like, greek beasts i don't know, wanting man. to commit suicide <laughs> i like, don't know i really all, all because like their uh cunningness and like tricksterness didn't work right like way to throw a tantrum that is like the ultimate tantrum but whatever anyway so this seems to be like the literary way in which the ancient greeks transitioned from the old religious practices um like represented by the Sphinx into the new ones and the establishment of the Olympian deities represented by Oedipus. So basically like they were doing away with like the old thoughts and then they started thinking of like the Olympian gods and stuff. And so mm-hmm. that story kind of tells that um, switch, I guess, in culture. Um, the Sphinx was also featured in a lot of artwork and was at the beginning like on like vases and stuff this is like where it literally gets crazy you guys because i died we're about to come super full circle but this face <laughs> was featured in like a lot of artwork and it, and it was like at the beginning of the line of like a procession of animals and the other animals in the paintings were obviously like lions and sirens <gasps> dead. Dead, dead, it dead. all leads back to <laughs> sirens <laughs> yeah it, all it really does We have mentioned sirens so much in the last two episodes. It really, I feel like it's now Harry Potter and the sirens. Yeah, it is. It is Harry Potter and the sirens because everything in this story comes back to a siren. Like literally it's like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like you can say (laughs) anything in Harry Potter and I can guarantee you that we'll make it back. Bring it back to a mermaid. Yeah. Let's go. That should be a game that we play. (laughs) That would be actually pretty fun. It's going to be a new segment. At the end of every episode. Oh my god, that would be so exciting. Oh, that's a lot of brain power for like the ends of episodes and that's like not that bad. Name something right now. I'm not gonna do it right now because it Just is the 12 a.m. Restricted, the restricted section in the library at Hogwarts. The restrict the restricted section in the library is where Hermione spends a lot of time. Hermione knows Dumbledore. Dumbledore speaks Mermish. Boom, sirens. Boom. See, very easy. <laughs> very easy. I feel like th- with that logic, everything's going to be like, they know Dumbledore. Dumbledore Sirens. can talk to mermaids. <laughs> Sirens. 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 <laughs> this thing was very easy. That is all for today, kids. I hope you enjoyed <gasps> the episode. Um, oh, wow. I had a lot of fun. If yeah. you had a lot of fun, even if you didn't, hit us up on the social medias. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at the three broom chicks. You can also follow us at the Twitter at the number three broom chicks. And go like our Facebook page, the three broom chicks. And make sure to catch us next time because we will be finishing yeah. our creatures wow. of, the, of the Lost Story Arc series with magical spirit Ooh. Ooh. Whoa.
was so good. <laughs> we just I, all relish in ourselves right now. We really we honestly, are. I mean, I was impressed. Anyways, as always, we are the Three Broom Chicks. And mermaids and centaurs are in love. <laughs>